You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Well, thank you. Yeah, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. I am um, so thankful that I'm part of this, uh, this church community because the blessings that come are just immeasurable. They really are. One of the things that we talked about last week, the difficult subject of abortion and how really the church can dive in and do more than what we're really doing. We need to come alongside. We need to support, uh, especially women who are going through a difficult time. And so I love the way you respond because this morning... Uh, someone came into church and, and they brought this. Let me tell you, this is really heavy. This is $150 worth of change that they brought in to give to the pregnancy center, the pregnancy care center. So there you go. So there, what a great example that is, isn't that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you know this, I think most of you know this, that we give all the change that we collect in our offerings to the pregnancy care center. And so let me tell you, if you want to be part of really encouraging our community, encouraging the families, the women in our community, then that is an excellent way to go about it. So thank you, kind family, that brought that $150. I'm not going to put it in my backpack or carry it anywhere because, uh, well, maybe I will just to get a workout because that's a lot of money, a lot of change. And, uh, and so we want to continue our series identity. And I, I have to tell you this, I'll, I've been doing this for 35 years, and this, for me, um, is, is probably one of the most um, weighty subjects or series that, that I've ever taught in, in, in recent memory. And, and, I, and I think there's a reason for that. I think the reason is, is because our future depends on our identity being found in Jesus Christ. I, I really do. And I believe that for you and everyone in this room. I also believe that for our children and our kids. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm highly motivated and have been highly motivated to really dive into this subject matter according to God's word and, and really give this due diligence the way that it, it deserves to be given due diligence. And so we want to continue to pray that we are transformed by the knowledge and the practice of Jesus changing, fundamentally changing us into his image. Say amen to that. Amen. And I want to pray. I want to pray over that right now. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your goodness in our lives, that we do commit to be like you, more like you each and every day. So give us your strength. Give us your power. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. We say amen. There are two scriptures that we've been camping on in the last few weeks, and you've seen them over and over again, and I'm going to refer you one more time to this passage of scripture. It's Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and what I'm going to do is just read verse 27 to you. It says, so God created mankind in his own image, that's the Imago Dei, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And then you go to the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 28, and you hear what the Apostle Paul says, and this is so poignant, something that I want us to fix our attention on again this morning, is it says, for in him, <clears throat> that's God, in him, we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. Say that with me. We are his offspring. <clears throat> you are a child of God. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you've accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, 
then you are the offspring of God. You are a son, you are a daughter. And because we are made in God's image and we are his offspring, when we look at this, what's the result of us intrinsically knowing that human beings are more valuable than other animals? Other things in the created order. Well, there are some things that have happened because all of mankind believes this, whether they are Christian or not. Every human being has an echo in their souls that lets them know that we are more valuable and above everything else in the created order. And one of the first ways that it works itself out is law. We have laws that protect human life. It is basic. It's basic, and it's basic because we are created in the image of God. Again, I'm going to use this analogy, and pet owners, please forgive me, but it really does play out well here. So sorry about this, but we had a dog named Lucy. Lucy was our, our family pet for 15 years. Uh, everyone loved Lucy. We, we really did. We, we liked Lucy. We liked Lucy to be part of our family. She really was part of our family. But as Lucy got a little bit older, she showed signs of arthritis along with other maladies that come with aging dogs. She began to get uh, blind. She just, her, her mental capacity wasn't the same. And so we had to make a very, very difficult decision. And that was to put Lucy to sleep. That is a nice word, isn't it? To sleep. So we, we, we did. We made the decision to do that. We mourned over that. We, we did that knowing that, that, nobody, that nobody was going to come to our house and arrest us. We knew that when we put this dog down and humanely that we weren't going to run into the law. We took Lucy to the vet. We said our goodbyes. Uh, she got a little high and they put her to sleep. That's how they do it. And now she is in doggy heaven chasing all the sticks and balls that she wants to. And that's where Lucy is today. Now, nobody freaked out about that. Uh, nobody got all upset about that. It was sad. And we miss our dog. But nobody came to my door, knocking on my door, and said, Canby police, did you murder a dog? Did you do that? Did you, did you put down a dog? That did not happen. It didn't happen. Because a few years later, we replaced Lucy with another puppy. Uh, everything was fine and dandy, but you don't do that with human beings. You don't just replace people. But we did with this dog that we love deeply. Now, what about my dad? My, my dad is 92 years old, and recently we placed him in a memory care facility. Uh, my dad struggles with his memory. He struggles with arthritis. He struggles with all of those kinds of things. He he struggled with getting old, uh, but we can't put my dad to sleep. Yeah. And for all those that are out there that may feel like I do, sometimes you want to go to sleep, but we're not putting anyone to sleep. We're not going to do that like we do to our dog. Absolutely not. Why? Because that's called murder. Because we made and we are made in the image of God. You are the Imago Dei, the full expression of God in your life, the Imago Dei, the image of God. He has a distinct dignity, my father does, given to him by God and is overall, his overall value to the rest of the mankind, to the rest of the human race, isn't the question we ask. We don't ask how we contribute now. How do they contribute when they get older? How do they contribute when they get younger? How do they contribute when they're infirm? That's not the question we ask. 
And we know we don't put dad down when he gets older. What we do is we honor him by serving him and caring for him as we do for our elderly. That is something they deserve. That's something that we offer. That's something that we have to understand God's word and be in biblical compliance with a joyful heart to take care of the elderly. We are serving my father now. We're caring for him. As exhausting as that may be, taking care of my dad and my mom in their old age to Annette and I is a sacred duty. It's something that we see as a privilege. It's been handed over to us. And we see that as as an honor. This is an honor and a privilege that God has entrusted to us. And what I've understood in my journey, my life journey, is more clear as time goes by. This is what you get to do in life. When you have your children, you take care of your children. And you raise your children. And then when your children have children, you help take care of those children. They're called your grandchildren. You help take care of them. And as your parents age, what do you do? You help take care of them as well. Now, if you're really blessed, if you're really fortunate, then you are taking care of somebody most of your life. You're taking care of your children, your grandchildren, and your parents. What a blessing. What an honor that's been entrusted to us by God himself. Besides having the privilege of taking care of my mom and my dad, there are laws that keep me from putting them to sleep like my dog. That's called murder, as I said earlier, and it violates the Imago Dei and what the Bible tells us about honoring our parents. There are two countries right now in Europe, you might know who they are, where they are, two countries that will euthanize your elderly parents. And currently, they are among the few nations that also allow euthanasia on the basis of memory loss, on the basis of dementia. These same nations permit parents to euthanize their children if there are defects like blindness or they're deaf or they're mentally Uh, struggling or mentally ill, that what you can do is you can go and apply and put your children to sleep. This is an attack on the Imago Dei. This is an attack on the imprint of God in our lives. Remember my friend I talked to you about last week named Joshua? Uh, Joshua's Down syndrome, and Joshua is more valuable than all the creation and all the created order that's on this planet. Every four-legged being, he's valued. He is valuable, not because what he contributes to society, but because he carries the imprint of God on his life. He is, in him, the Imago Dei. Amen? That's how we treat people. The formal name of the practice has its roots in what's called, and I want you to understand this because it's so relevant to your your state, the place that you live, the region. The practice comes from what is called eugenics. It is based uh, on forced sterilization, euthanasia, and abortion. See, eugenics was practiced in this state of Oregon until it was outlawed in 1983. 1983, the last forced sterilization in this country or in this state was 1981. Folks, that's deplorable that we go this far. And the place that they would typically do this was one of the largest eugenic centers in the nation. It is called or used to be called Fairview Metal Mental Facility, which later became Damish. 
and they housed there people that were disabled. And in that, there was a civil action that was taken against them because of the systematic abuse, because of forced sterilization, because of lobotomies that they gave to their patients. And it was only closed down until 2000, the year 2000. That's when it was closed down. It wasn't until 2002 that Governor Kitzhaber made a formal apology to the state of Oregon and to all those that were patients and, fam and had family members in, uh, in Fairview. You see, it's in our roots. Why do I tell you this? Because there are roots, there are satanic roots, there are demonic roots that are regional, and we need to be aware of where we live and the spiritual battle that we're part of. I want to take that seriously. I want not to be blind, but I want to be aware of what's going on around me, and in the name of Jesus, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through Jesus Christ, through the divine power pulling down strongholds. Can you say amen to that? I need to know that. You need to know that as a church, as people who, who, who love God, who care about the Imago Dei. Now, I have a resource that I want to I give to you. The resource is called The Origins of Eugenics in America. You'll see that come up on our website. It's The Origin of Eugenics in America, semicolon, the U.S. and the Holocaust. It is a PBS special put on by American Experience, and there are several of them. If you just punch in eugenics, you're going to see a whole bunch of documentaries that come up, and you should. Let me tell you, it's hard to watch. I've watched every one of them so that I'm informed on the principalities and powers that I deal with in this culture. Do not be blind to them. Be aware of them. Of all people that can do anything about this kind of spiritual stronghold, it's us. It's believers who live by the power of Jesus' name. And that we can bring rightful thought. That we can bring righteous behavior. We can do that because our template is God's word. And our power comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Who cares deeply for you. He cares deeply for the infirmed. He cares deeply for his people. Again, we get laws for crimes against humanity because of the intrinsic understanding that human beings have great worth. <clears throat> where do these laws come from? <laughs> these laws come from God's word. That's where they come from. Whether you admit it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, they come from God's word. Even atheists admit this. There's a renowned atheist who recently passed away. His name is Jacques Derrida, and he says this, and I quote, The concept of crimes against humanity is a Christian concept, and I think there would be no such thing in law today without the Christian heritage, the Abrahamic heritage, and the biblical heritage. Even an atheist says that. That had to make him chew his words, don't you think? That had to make him just feel torn to be able to admit that Christianity has given this kind of biblical direction and foundation to human life and to the Imago Dei. Our Bible, our faith in Jesus Christ is the foundation for laws that, that violate the Imago Dei. 
Now, the majority of the New Testament, if you've ever wanted to look and pay attention to the subject matters in the New Testament, you would conclude that the majority of the New Testament is dedicated on how we treat others, how we treat the Imago Dei in others. And that includes how we treat the poor, other ethnicities, the sick, genders, spouses, children, and parents. God is very concerned about this. And so he talks to us about how we live out our life representing the Imago Dei and how we treat others who represent the Imago Dei. Listen to how the Apostle Paul tells Philemon to treat a runaway slave. This is very important because runaway slaves weren't even given a second thought in Roman culture during that day. They were not even recognized as animals. Animals, house dogs, were more valuable than slaves. And some people say, well, the word of God is so archaic, it's so far behind. I'm going to tell you right now, the apostle Paul was way ahead of his time. Jesus Christ was way ahead of his time, if that's what you want to call it. But you can see it in God's word. This is what Philemon, or what Paul writes Philemon, and he says this. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while, that's Onismus, that you might have him back forever. Now listen to this statement. This is cutting edge. This is way ahead. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man, listen to that, and as a brother in the Lord. Wow. You want to talk about elevating someone who wasn't elevated at all, who was seen not even as a human being, and elevate them to be equal with the Imago Dei of everyone else. Paul just does it right there. He takes what was formerly a piece of property And he says, no, this is a fellow man. And not only is he a fellow man, he is a brother. And I love what Paul says even later. He says, when you receive him, treat him as you would treat me. You want to talk about someone using their leverage. You want to talk about uh, apostolic leverage right there. When you say, hey, treat this runaway slave just like you would treat me, the apostle Paul. That's a guy who's going out on a limb right there. And I love the way he does it. And I love the fact that we should also do the same. That we go out on a limb. And that we stand up for the Imago Dei and others who we might not see or the society we're in doesn't see as valuable. Now I want to refer to something that I mentioned last week. And the reason I'm, I'm repeating myself today is because I asked our youth to be present in both services. Just so you're aware of this. And I'm wanting them to hear what their pastor has to say about the subjects of racism and sexism. You know why? Because they deserve to hear this. And because it secures their biblical heritage in the future. And you know what? Number three is they rarely hear a pastor use his voice to talk about these subjects. Annette was asked by someone a few weeks ago, well, what are you going through? What are the series you're teaching through? Annette says, we're talking about identity. She says, you're doing that in church? Listen, folks, if you can't do it in church, you can't do it anywhere. This is the place this stuff gets done. Because the Bible has a whole lot to say about these two particular subjects. And I especially want our children, our youth, to hear what God's word has to say. 
And it isn't because our youth pastors can't do this. We have incredible youth leaders. It's an amazing team that we have. I'm doing this again because there are two subjects, these two subjects that directly affect our youth today. It's sitting on their front porch. It's in their, it's on their devices. It's everywhere they turn. Everyone else is informing them about their identity. The church should step up and say, no, this is your identity. You are the Imago Dei. And we'll teach the Imago Dei about who you are. And we'll teach what God wants to do in your life. So first of all, and because of the image or the Imago Dei, we must always stand up against racism. Anywhere the image of God is degraded in other ethnicities, we must stand up and say the word of God tells us otherwise. Now, some of us may be asking, well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. I am really glad you asked because it always starts with your heart and your tongue. Always. Jesus brings us back to a place and he says this very thing in Luke chapter 6 verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, from the mouth, the heart speaks. So let me ask a few questions just to test. Does your heart believe that there is an inferior race of people? Do you believe that you are superior or better than someone who is from a different ethnicity? If so, you just identified the front line of your battle. You have just identified the front line of the battle that's going on in your heart. It's here that you must refuse vain, arrogant, and demeaning imaginations. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons we fight with are not weapons from the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, the Imago Dei, the Word of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Amen. So stop it in your heart before it gets to your tongue. The little slurs. Or the racist jokes that you think all your friends are laughing at. The slanderous words that you may speak just jokingly. That's from your tongue speaking for your heart. And so we stop it when it gets here. Anywhere the Imago Dei in others is being demeaned, it is a violation of God's word. Listen, there are all sorts of vain imaginations and conspiracies that are going on today. You know that, don't you? You see that. You're living it out right now. You're watching it happen. The Bible speaks to that. This is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires their own echo chambers, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say 
what their itching ears want to hear. Now, 30 years ago, you would say, how did they gather all those number of teachers around them to do that? Really easy today, folks. Real easy. And people are gathering around them the things they want to hear. And they're gathering those from the devices they have. That's what's happening. You see it. It says they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to what? Myths. You know what one great myth is in our community, our society? One great myth is (laughs) there's a superior race. That is a myth. An absolute myth. We see it. Adam was created in God's image. He is the father of all human beings in all ethnic groups. Therefore, all of them are dignified above everything else in the created order! Exclamation mark. All human beings are created in the image of God. Now look at me, please listen to me. There is no master race. There is no master race. You come from Adam. There is not a smarter race. There is not a more apt race. It's absurd and an absurd myth and idea that there is a master race. And by the way, do you want to know what drives almost every act of genocide in world history? It is this myth right here. It has brought more death to this planet and is bringing death even as we speak today. The harassment and threats against our Jewish population have increased 400% since October 7th. That tells you something. That tells you something. We are all made in the image of God. And in the diversity of ethnicity, God simply and beautifully shows his glory. I love that. To think or believe otherwise is a satanic stronghold that needs to be demolished by God's divine power and needs to be demolished in the name of Jesus. To believe otherwise needs to be demolished in Jesus' name. So with all of us in this room, I want to take an action step with you if you let me do that. Just put your hand over your heart for one moment. And we're going to recite together this passage of Scripture. I want to put it up right now if we can. Let's do it together. Let's read this together beginning right now. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Jesus, we give you our hearts today. We give you room to work in our hearts to rearrange, Lord Jesus, and to demolish anything that needs to be taken down. Anything that is a myth, anything that is a conspiracy, anything that doesn't line up with the word of God in the Imago Dei, Lord, we ask that you take it down. 
We know that you love us and you care for us and you always have the best for us. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Amen. 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 The Imago Day is also why we not only battle racism, it is why we stand up and fight against sexism. Now listen to this. It's because we are God's offspring, male and female, and we are valued and are equal in the created order. And both male and female are equal in dignity, in worth, and importance. Ron Swore is a pastor at Canby Four Square Church. I'm probably middle class. I have kids, three of them. I have 10 grandkids. I have a community, a church that I'm part of. I love where I live. I love the people that I'm connected to. I love it. But I want you to know something. I have more in common with a starving nine-year-old girl in Africa than I do with Lucy, my dog. I have more in common with a nine-year-old girl who's starving in Africa than I do with any other living creature on this planet. I have more in common with her. It is not our maleness that binds us together. It is our sameness that binds us together. Why? We are both made in the image of God and we both have in us the impression of the Imago Dei. Genesis 127, let me read it again. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Now, since this sameness is present, since it's true and since it's good, there is a way men should view women and there is a way women should view men. And I want to tell you what they are according to scripture. And if we line ourselves up With God's design, we will flourish. However, if we refuse, there will be major issues of brokenness that will be our consequences. Of which you witness today only growing in our community. Because the Imago Dei is true, this is how men should view women. Men, listen to this. Men must think biblically of women and push against stereotypes of women as sexual creatures or servants put here for man's pleasure and comfort. Because of the image or the imago Dei, men must think biblically of women and treasure them as sisters and co-heirs with Jesus Christ as daughters of the king and they are glorious not dismissing them intellectually or robbing them to exercise their God-given gifts within God's beautiful design. And women, single or married, must think rightly about being representatives of God, the Imago Dei. You are made in his image and fulfilling his purposes, not just in theory, but in practice, and this is what I want to say about the church you're part of. I want the women of our church 
to know that they are highly valued, highly respected, and given the same opportunities here as men are given. Opportunities to serve, opportunities to lead, and opportunities to teach. I want the women of our church to know that I am committed to making disciples who make disciples both women and men. And to give as much opportunity for women to grow in their calling, in their character, and in their gifting as I would give a man. I am called to help develop the whole body of Christ, not half the body of Christ, not just men, but the whole. That's men and women. It's deeply troubling. Deeply troubling that there are a number of churches who have excluded women from vital leadership roles in their church. And even more, how they've used the Bible as a tool to dominate and control women. It is a deplorable. It's called a cult. How you degrade and treat women and children will identify you immediately in the Bible as not engaging and respecting the Imago Dei. Immediately. What would this church look like without some of the strong women, some of the strongest people I know on the planet? What would this church look like without the contribution, to name a few, Annette, my wife, Shannon, Grace, Cheryl, Heather, and the list goes on and on and on. And by the way, your pastoral staff is half man, half woman. Not literally. <laughs> half the team. They're young. Half are men, half are women. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. It's not the way it's always been. There are things I've had to look at. There's things that I've had to pay attention to. And believe me, I'm not just placing women in roles because they're women and they're not leaders. I'm placing women who are leaders in roles just like I would place men who are leaders in roles. Please understand that. And women, apology extended from someone who represents clergy for in a lot of ways, mentally and spiritually excommunicating you. You've never deserved it. That's never what the Bible says. That's not and never the intention of God's word. Maybe I can hear just the women say amen to that. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Now, women. Women must think biblically about men and push back against the stereotypes of men as idiot ne Neanderthals. <laughs> really, if you watch TV today, what is one of the most common long-running sitcoms ever to ever hit the airwaves? The male character is a highly functioning idiot. If you've watched The Simpsons, you know who I'm talking about. His name is Homer, and he is an idiot. And on the street, they have another term for that that I can't use in church. 
women, please fight against these stereotypes of male images. Stereotypes of men that are high-functioning morons. And men, don't give in to these stereotypes yourself. You're better than that. You're better than that. You don't have to lower yourself to the standard that the world sets for you. You can rise to that. There is no cap. There is no ceiling on you in the Imago Day to achieve what God wants you to achieve. You can be the man of God God has called you to be. Is it hard to get there? Uh-huh. Will you make a lot of mistakes? Yes. Will there be a lot of apologies? Absolutely. A lot of them. But you can do it. And I think what I'm saying right now is just as anointed as if I was preaching some other subject matter. Here's something else. I want to say this. Women, women, you must think biblically and high expectations for how men approach you and honor you as sisters. Do you hear that? Because of the Imago Dei, women, because of your intrinsic value to God, you must not treat yourself cheaply. Never, ever treat yourself cheaply. Do not talk bad about yourself. Do not think bad about yourself. That is a stronghold that the enemy puts in you and in your head and on your heart that needs to be torn down in the name of Jesus. What culture is pressed upon you for you to be something else other than the Imago Dei is a lie from the pit of hell. You are who God says you are. You're called by God. Women, think highly of yourself. You must have high expectations for how men approach you. Please, women, when you understand your value to God, you will easily reject little boys that can shave, who seek just sexual company, but have no interest in your soul. Treat yourself as God treats you. Treat yourself well. I think I need to pray right now. Ladies, just bow your heads. Guys, bow your heads. Father, for any demonic lies that have entered the hearts and minds of our women here in this place, I pray against that in Jesus' name. Lord, I provide a covering over the hearts and minds of our women. I take the authority that you've given me to shepherd, to lead, to call these things out. And Lord, we call out anything that does not line up with the Imago Dei as a lie. And Lord, we pray against that and we pray that those strongholds be torn down in Jesus' name. And we say amen and amen. Women, please hear me. Whether you are married or single, you are intrinsically valuable. And you deserve to be honored and respected for the individual that you are. God has imparted to you a worth that you should let no man abuse. No man. Women, you are not an add-on. In the creative order. No. God did not make man in his image. And then say oh. I'm not imaging myself correctly. So let's just add a woman to this picture. No. A man distinct by himself. Without a spouse. Has the full and complete Imago Dei. 
And the woman by herself without a man has the full and complete and distinct imago Dei. Married or single, you image God. Amen. You are a full and complete image bearer at conception. You are a full and complete image bearer just the way you are. In a few weeks, I'll talk about marriage and what that looks like. We need to have a right understanding of who we are in the body of Christ. We need to be the people who boldly and unashamedly bear the Imago Dei in us. And that we value the Imago Dei. Both men and women, you value the Imago Dei that God has given you as a gift. Will you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. And you heard it here in church and not on Oprah. Thank God. Bow your head. Father, we're just so thankful that we're part of a community that we can talk about these things. And Lord, I especially pray over our youth, our young adults, that you would open their mind and their heart to see the value that you've placed on them. Not the value or devaluing that the other sex has placed on them or commercialism has placed on them or what they've heard over the airwaves of social media platforms. But they are in your image. Let us grow as men and women in the image of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say, Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.